Let's go to Proverbs chapter six, beginning with verse six. Proverbs chapter six and verse six. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. I dealt on Sunday morning with uh, the ant and tried to break down first the varieties of ant. There's 10,000 species of ants. He says that we're to go to the ant, uh, we're to consider her ways, and I dealt a little bit with just going to the ant on Sunday. Tonight we'll consider the ways of the ant. Uh, and if you remember, I dealt with the varieties that were broken down into different categories. Talked a little bit about that, the conquering ant that goes into the nest of other ants and takes away the babies and brings them into the family. And then we talked about the harvester ant that will bring seed into a hidden chamber inside of the colony. And there will chew on the husk and get to the kernel. And after that, it is chewed up into pulp. It becomes known as ant bread. And how we're to take in the incorruptible seed inside of us. And that becomes the bread of life to us as well. Then also there was the dairy ants. You remember the dairy ant uh, was the ant that... Uh, that knew how to find the plant lice and the aphids and how to get the honeydew from those because they would take in so much with the sugary sap that comes from the plants that uh, it would leave excess and they found a way how to get that excess but they, they ate that and lived by that honeydew. And then finally the honey ants, I left you with that. And the difference between the uh, the honey ant and dealing with the dairy ant is that the honey ant, when it finds that same honeydew, it doesn't just eat it for itself, it brings it back to the nest, shares it with the other ants, and there are uh, repletes there that they, they take in that, that honey and they get so full that they can't walk, and finally they hang from the chamber, and when other ants want something sweet to give them energy, they just go and tap on the honey pot. And uh, we found out we had some honey pots here in this church and we found out there's some folks that they're not full of honey, they're full of hot air. <laughs> tap them, you'll find out. We found out some's full of lemon juice. And, uh, but we wanna be a honey pot, don't we? And I was amazed at the people going to other individuals. And one thing about it, when you go to a honey pot, when you, when you hug them, you're gonna, get, you're gonna get honey on you. That's the way God intended it. But let's, let's think now tonight on the activity of the ants. Consider her ways. So let's think about three or four categories of their activities. Uh, one thing is, think about the habitation of the ant. Where the ants live. You know, ants live in colonies because God made the ants to be social insects. Uh, they depend on the other ants. They have to be around other ants. Do you know that out of 10,000 species, now you check this out, there is not one single species of ant 
that are solitary, that stay to themselves. God meant for the ants to come together. And the warning to us as well is that God intends for us to come together. That's what you're doing here tonight. See, we all have a role to play and we all need one another. Whether we realize it right now or not, we all need one another. There'll be times in your life where maybe one person can't supply what you need right now, but somebody else can. It's not always just providing provision. It's the support that's there. One of our folks today, Brian and I, was there at the, uh, at, at the funeral today, at the calling before the funeral, and Dan Horner mentioned to me, he and Kim said, I don't know how we could have gotten through this without our church family rallying. So your support, your presence means everything. That's why we need one another. Now, there may come a time where that you'll be isolated, but when you are isolated, you, you'll never feel comfortable that way. You'll feel a need to be with, with the rest of the colony, if you will. That's why God said, forsake not the assembling of yourself together. Now, if I've learned anything in, in all of these years of ministry, I've learned that there are some people that uh, they're, they're Christians, they're saved, they're on their way to heaven, but they have a terrible time that it just seems like that they're, they're up and down. You are gonna help me preach, aren't you? They're up and down. And you know, they're, they're always failing and falling. And they can't seem to get up and stay up and keep moving forward. They do good for a little while and then, then they have a problem. Now, I don't mean to analyze every single person and the reason that that exists, but there's one thing that I have noticed about the people that seem to have this problem of being up and down. We can say, well, it's just because of their emotional uh, turn. That's the reason they're like, no, that's not the reason why. I know people that battle some real struggles with their emotions, with their mind, but they stay in. They stay with God. But I, I found one thing about up and down people. Up and down people usually have a problem. The reason they're up and down is because they're in and out. In and out people lead to an up and down life. Well, what do you mean by that? I mean, well, they, they come to a three services, then they miss two or three services. And they come to a three services, and they miss two or three services. They come a month, they miss a month. They come in revival, they get fired up, and then they're out, and do you have another revival six months later? And in and out people have a tendency to be up and down people. If you wanna find consistent people, and if you wanna be a consistent Christian, Get in the family, stay in the family, keep coming to church. The time might come when you're not able to come, but while you can, be there. That solves so many problems. Do you know that you can't just 
eat occasionally and survive and thrive in your body. You have to have a consistent diet. And you know, spiritually, it's that same way. Consistently, you've got to be at a place where you're hearing the word of God. Don't you can't just piecemeal and take something here, something there, and keep going and growing. God never intended it that way. He's saying we've got to get in and we've got to stay in. There's not only the habitation of the ant, but notice too, the communication. Ants have their own language. They have ways of communicating that none of God's creation uses all of the means that ants use. Probably the closest thing to it would be bees. Uh, but outside of honeybees, ants, they're, they're colonized, so they have to have structure, they have to have design, they have to know where to go, what to do, when to do it, and they have to communicate because the population inside of the colony is, is so overcrowded at times that if they didn't have organization and able to communicate that organization, then they'd be in serious problems. I know some people that preach and teach against organization, but I say if you don't have some kind of structure, you've got chaos. And you can't just let things happen the way that they happen and, and turn around and blame God for it and say, we're minding the Lord. Because everything that people have told me was minding the Lord, I promise you, God didn't have anything to do with some of it. God just didn't have anything to do. I, I remember a few years ago, uh, I was in a meeting and somebody said, well, the Lord has led me to testify. Two hours and 15 minutes later, they quit. Me and the pastor was the only two that stayed. I have a funny feeling God didn't lead that. No, there has to be some kind of structure. Now that doesn't mean that the spirit sometimes will take us out of, out of our comfort zone and bring us to places that we're not accustomed to, but we've gotta know how to communicate with each other. If a church doesn't know how to communicate with each other, they'll not thrive. If you have no communication in your home, you'll not thrive. If you have no communication in your business, you're not going to thrive, you're not going to grow, and the church is the same. They have ways of communicating. They, uh, they use communication such as tapping against the walls, outside walls of their cells inside the colony. That means certain things. They have uh, chemicals that they put off a scent, pheromones that they put off this scent. There's a particular reason for that. Uh, they, you know, some of them have little organs inside of them that uh, when they activate those organs, they squeak or they make a buzzing sound that oftentimes you can't hear it with just your natural ear. It has to be amplified to hear it, but other ants can hear it just fine. And all of those things are important. They use their antennas. Uh, they, they can use their antennas and use it basically like a Morse code to be able to, to let each other know what they're doing and when they're doing it. There's times that they, for example, the scent. The scent is used for two purposes. Number one, when there's a present danger. If the scent gets strong quick, they know the colony is in danger and they're telling them, take cover. There, there's an enemy that's here. Do you know that we should be able to detect 
when the enemy is in our presence? Now our enemy is not flesh and blood, but it's principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, but we should be able to detect when the enemy is present. Then also when they find a food source, they will leave a scent trail. That scent trail helps them find their way back to the food. You know, when you find something good, you wanna remember where it's at so you can get back to it when you wanna go back to it. And they leave this scent trail as well. So they communicate with one another to protect one another, to supply food. There's also in their activity, there's the cooperation of the ant. The ant family doesn't live independently. They are dependent on the whole family. Everything is designed in their colony with the other ants in mind. Everything they do is for the good of the other ants that's there. It's nothing, nothing selfish about them. Every service they perform, whether it be that scent trail that I talked about, they could find the food and say, this is so good, I'm not going to tell anybody else where this is at. I'm gonna keep this all to myself. But that's not how God intended it. You know, when you find something good, you ought to share it. And when you found the Lord, you found the greatest thing of all. And we ought to share it. You ought to say, there's something so good that's going on. You know, you ought to be able to leave this church. And, and, and I hear people talk about their church. It just bothers me. You think that nothing good ever happens there. You ought to be able to leave this church tonight and say, my, there's something good going on down at Rubyville. You, you've got to go see it for yourself. What God's doing because God is good to us and God does bless us and when we say something it ought to be for the good of God and the good of others so they cooperate with one another and as they cooperate the more they work together they say the happier they are and the more that we work together the happier we are I, I look so forward each year to spring jubilee coming up and the thing that I love about Spring Jubilee, it's just like last Sunday when we met for prayer. We came for prayer, and I think 16 churches here for prayer represented to come together. They were sharing their needs with all of their churches. I am of the mindset that God does something special when his people come together. If all we do we only do it for Rubyville, then the world is blessed no greater by it. But if we do it for the good of God and we tell others and we work with others, you say, I don't agree with everyone. You're not going to find everyone in this church that will agree on everything. But still we come together for the common goal that men, women, boys and girls are lost and they need Jesus. And we've got the answer to this world's problem. His name is Jesus. He is greater than every sin and greater than every problem and greater than every burden. And if we can just cooperate together, we'll see great things happen. Then there is the activity of purification. You know, ants are among the cleanest of God's creation. The amazing thing about this is they, uh, they work in the dirtiest of places. 
they tunnel through dirt. And you're not gonna live and walk through dirt and not get dirt on you. So here's this creature that God has made that prides itself on staying clean, but it comes in constant contact with dirt. Do you know that ants, that they will clean one another, they'll take their mandibles, clean themselves as much as they can, and then if there's dirt that they miss, somebody else in the colony will clean the dirt off for them. Do you know that ants clean themselves at least 20 times a day? Because where they go, they get a lot of filth on them and they can't stand to be filthy. So they just keep cleaning themselves and cleaning themselves. Let me tell you something. I know some of you have come in here today and in this service and I know that this day you've had to work among some filth. The world is a filthy place. It's a dirty place. But aren't you glad that we can come in here and get cleaned up tonight and say we can not only get cleaned up, but we can help one another get cleaned up and say, you know what? I think I can face it all again tomorrow because I found something refreshing in the house of God when I came together with God's people tonight. Their purification They clean themselves. They pride themselves on being clean. So it's no wonder the Bible says, go to the ant and consider her ways because of her habitation, her communication, her cooperation, her purification. Hey, let let, let me me back up on one thing here. I, I didn't write it down, didn't make a note on it, but I'm just gonna say this. If you are saved, you don't get to pick who you love and who you don't love. You just don't. Fella came to me last night, shook my hand in camp meeting, and he said, I love you, preacher. I said, you're going to heaven, aren't you? He said, yeah. I said, you have to love me. There might be things about me you don't like, but you have to love me. You don't get a pick and choose. You don't get a look at someone come through the back door and say, you know, I don't think I'm gonna, I don't think I'm gonna love that person. If we cannot love him whom we have seen, how can we love him whom we have not seen? And we get confused sometimes that we think by loving somebody, that means that we condone everything that they're doing, no. You may not like certain things that they do and they may be involved in things that you don't like, but you still got to love them. Do you think that Jesus, as he died on the cross, could not have looked at those that were responsible for his pain, his punishment, his crucifixion, if anybody would have had a right to look at them and said, you know what? I don't like those people, but that's not what he said. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He loved them in the hour of death. And by the way, he loved me when I was unlovable. He loved you when you were unlovable. God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So you have to 
You have to love one another. I'll be honest with you. I get a little worried sometimes as a preacher when I watch folks get up in years and as they get closer to heaven, their, their social life with other believers get more narrow. And pretty soon they don't talk to anybody, they don't like anybody. There's people they can't look at, there's people they don't like, they don't wanna be around. I better quit, I'm meddling. We're getting too close to home to let hatred fill our heart. And this old world is so full of hatred anymore. Democrats hate Republicans and Republicans hate Democrats and independents hate both. Businesses hate the employees and employees hate the business owners. Blacks hate whites, whites hate blacks. And if they do come together, they hate the Mexicans together. Hatred, hatred, hatred. Boy, it's lonely up here tonight. Don't you see that's the dividing tool of the enemy? Jesus said, love one another. And I, I know, I'm not telling you to sell out your convictions. I'm not telling you to sell out your interpretation of scripture. I'm just saying that even lost people need somebody to love them. Everybody needs somebody to love them. So I think I'd rather go down at the end of my life, people being able to say, one thing I know about him, he loved people. You better love people or you wouldn't do what I do. I come in contact with too many of them. You can't just isolate yourself. You can't pick. You can't choose. You're like the ant. <laughs> Where's all that shouting go now? Well, let, let me see if this will help you. Think then about the priority of the ant. The ant has one priority. The ant's only priority is to find food. Now I'm preaching. See, the problem is the ant knows well it has an anticipation for what's coming. It knows it's summer now, but it knows it's not gonna stay summer. And it knows when winter comes that there's no harvesting then. The harvester ant has to already have the seed inside to make the ant bread. Do you hear what I'm preaching? Because come winter, he's not gonna get any seed to bring in. So he has to go in the summer while the season is right to bring that in, to have it there when he needs it the most. He knows that winter is coming, anticipates that and says, I can't be content with just getting enough food for right now. I've got to think about the others in this colony that I leave some food behind for them because we, we know winter's coming. The problem is we don't know how long winter will last. So it has this anticipation of the future and it also has made preparation for the future. Since winter's coming, I better take care of business.
I better get things in order. I better do it and I better do it now because I don't know if I'll be able to do it tomorrow. Because winter might be here tomorrow. Do, do I really have to say this repeatedly for us to believe it? Jesus is coming again. And we're to prepare to meet God. That's plain from scripture. And even if Jesus doesn't come tomorrow, you could die before tomorrow. Why people put that off? Do you know how many people that I visit in hospital rooms that can hardly speak a word anymore, that have just enough awareness to know that they're lost and without Jesus, and when you invite them, you know how many people will say, just a little longer, preacher. Just a little longer. Just a little more time. I'll wait just a little bit longer. Listen, folks. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. That's it. Now, this last point, and get ready to sing, Brother Howard, if you will. This last point brings it all home. The problem this church and every church in the nation is facing right now. The problem is not that they don't have enough money, and even oftentimes the problem is not that they don't have enough people. The greatest threat to any church in America, here it is, priorities. I didn't write the book, but I gotta believe the book. It's true the way God wrote it. He's first or he's not at all. God doesn't take second place in our life. And somehow through these years of preaching, we seem to have come up with a way to say times have changed all of that preacher. God understands when we put this before him and that before him. That's not what the Bible says. We're not to have any other God before him. We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, heart, soul, strength, and mind. And to love our neighbor as ourself. But we love God first. God's first, but he will not be last. And if he's second, he's last. Priorities. Where's our priorities at? We talk about the world, how we're not to love the world, love the things of the world, but I'm telling you, we've gone crazy over the world. It's lured us in, it's trapped us, it's got us. That's why I heard this week on the news, recently I preached here at the church, there's an average of 4,500 churches a year closing their doors in America, 75 churches a week. I heard this week, just a day or two ago, rather, on the news. They say the count is going to be so high, they're afraid to even give an estimate how many churches are going to close within the next 18 months in America. 
Do you know what every one of those churches have in common? Misplaced priority. 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 